0: hey everybody welcome back to the Pixelist podcast the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy i'm will that's blake today we're here to talk about some critical role Ooh, baby. i love <laughs> talking about critical role me too me too and Fantastic! I mean, not, I'm getting ahead of myself, but fantastic episode this past week.
1: Like, whoa, whoa, slow your roll! <laughs> I know, I stra- know. Critical role. I just got excited. We haven't even done the recap yet. I mean, it's like going in for the kiss, and we just—I just picked you up for dinner. You know,
0: <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm let's, sorry.
1: We'll, let's let it marinate a little bit. See I'm where sorry. it
0: goes. Yep. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Having said that, <laughs> yes,
1: it was an amazing episode, and I loved it.
0: Um. But yeah, uh, just I. I threw myself completely off guard here. I, we're the pixelists uh, talking about Critical Role. How are you doing today, man? There we go. doing good. I'm doing good. On, I'm doing good.
1: I got... Yeah, no, things are good. Life's good. Uh, dropped my kiddo off at daycare. Got a little advice in the YouTube comment section to always... We talked about this in the last app. Do you? Does the kid bring the jacket or not bring the yeah. jacket? And got some advice in the YouTube comment section that was like, always bring the jacket. And I want you to know... We've done it. So threw it in the backpack this morning, a little chilly of a day. Um, so anyway, that's my random story, my anecdote
0: about <laughs> <laughs> about doing that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, better to have and not need than need and not have. So makes sense. Right. True in life also. Yeah. Well, glad oh, to hear so it. Thing.
1: <laughs> By the way, that was uh, Matthew. Who gave that. I was like desperately looking for who that was. Who said oh. <laughs> it. Um, Matthew uh, Vandenaden, Vandenaden. I think I said your name, Vanden. I don't know. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's anyway, okay. We appreciate critical it. Role. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: How are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. And good. we, I quickly mentioned this to, to Blake, but just quick potential disclaimer. My neighbor is leaf blowing. And so. Just warning in case that weird noise comes out of nowhere, but hopefully we're not going to have to deal with that. Um, seems like at a certain point, you've blown all the leaves, right? You would think so. Okay. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> hopefully they're almost done. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, I'm doing good. You know, I got my coffee, which is, I just had my first sip a moment before we started this. So I'm starting to feel, feel the bean like juice, the, you know?
1: Yeah. I like the, uh, out of context, that seems a little strange, but um <laughs> Yeah, I got a a nice a nice cup of Joe here. Might go for a second cup today. I don't know.
0: Oh, I almost always go for a second cup these days, which probably is like not good for me, but wow, it's basically my ritual now. Like I have one right when I get up, and then I'll have a second one like four hours later. Yeah, like, okay. You typically yeah, well, a one a cup one cup a day. Guy? I'm a one cup kind of guy,
1: but I also feel like um, I i mean I, I spruce up my coffee a bit we got the honey we got the half and half so it's not doing me any favors so I, I think for you you drink it black right so
0: yeah so i feel like it's kind of a wash you know yeah maybe i'm probably not you don't, you don't think so no i think it probably is What are you but trying just, to say? except for caffeine <laughs> levels like i'm probably true destroying yeah. my brain with but do you CMO. do a big
1: cup or a small cup like do you have the options I have a egg, right? I
0: have a egg, right?
1: I yeah, I do yeah. the twelve ounces. Okay, yeah. So oh, I guess twenty-four
0: yeah. total <laughs> in the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone told me this, and for you guys listening who were like, "Can we move on already?" Hang on. <laughs> um, someone told me that your cup of coffee has more caffeine in it than getting like an an,
0: an espresso from like the coffee shop. Like the like what do you mean though, like what are you defining as a cup of coffee, like a Keurig pot, or you know i didn't I didn't ask this <laughs> was just kind of like you know
1: laissez faire just like kind of placed on the table, and then yeah. the person left, and it was such a <laughs> whirlwind of like that can't be right that i i was such i was in such shock that I didn't
0: like chase after them to like. <laughs> you know uh, yeah. ask for clarity but yeah. i just feel like we need more context there like i'm sure some <laughs> coffee drinks have more than an espresso shot but i think i think the implication was like just a general cup of coffee
1: has more caffeine in it
0: than a than a uh, if you order an espresso i wonder i don't even know how much caffeine is in a shot of espresso i don't either or a typical cup of coffee yeah <laughs> well thanks for tuning in to the (laughs) fixless coffee podcast y'all hope you had a good one all
1: right so (laughs) we're talking critical role today yes uh we had episode um 37 yes from the bows i was gonna ask you the same thing
0: (laughs) from bows bows i feel like it's bows 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 of a tree yeah tree bows they really
1: need to pick names that stupid people can pronounce because
0: <laughs> <laughs> is way over us. It's funny, though, because since I had the first half cool of the recap, I was going to I was going to do the same right. bit. I was going to be like, how do you say this? hang on. Let's go to the old Google how to pronounce.
1: bows. Bows. According to Google. Bows. OK. OK. So. Who knows? But yeah, so yeah. from the bowels and uh if you guys haven't tuned into the podcast before we'd like to do a little recap it's a long ep So we'd like to take about the first 15, 20 minutes, talk about what happened on the episode in case you forgot. Uh, And then we dig into our actual discussion of the episode. So if you're checking out just the recap, you can see our full discussion down in the link below. And also, if you have your own insights, you have your own theories, um, reactions that you want to share, definitely go to our full discussion and pop it in the YouTube comments uh, because we want to hear about it. So uh, having said that, Let's let's dive into it.
0: Wilhelm. Do you want to handle the first half recap? I shall. And um, like Blake already mentioned, this was episode 37 from The bows. And uh, we pick up with the group on their astrally projected spiritual journey, trying to separate Laudna and Delilah's souls. And on this journey, uh, we left them having just gone down beneath this shack uh, into this tunnel. And they actually have just traveled out of the tunnel. Seemingly to this upside down white stone uh, hellscape, essentially. So they pop out of this tunnel. They can see the sun tree in the distance. uh, And they're like, let's head toward the city. Um, Once they make their way in, they start to notice that uh, everything is like bleak and dark and muted colors and like stony. um, Like, like things that should be wood are kind of having like a stony aesthetic it's just like a really bleak meek situation and as they're looking at it they notice that the roofs and the buildings begin to shift and it's the city almost is acting as a maze like constantly shifting around them um so they're like okay what's going on here they pop up we get a few perception checks to try to figure out what's going on um But the first thing they notice is that there is a voice coming from the alleyway. And Imogen opens her mind to see if she can connect to this voice, but she's unable to. There is a presence there, but they just seemingly can't be connected with. Um, We then hear this voice speak, and it's a young boy that says, I felt you following, Matilda. Like, why is that? And this voice is like, we should come play this game with me, Secret Treasures. And... The party gets closer to investigate and they see this little boy, but also this little ethereal black energy form that is taking the shape of a young girl, uh, Matilda. And Imogen kind of reaches out to this Matilda form and is like, hey, like, you know, can we help you? And the Matilda form is thinking like, I don't know if I should trust this kid, like this boy, um, but I like him. And again, the boy wants to play this game with her, and Imogen tells Matilda, hey, don't trust him. And Imogen rolls a persuasion check and is successful, so Matilda then steps away from the boy. Uh, he then gets angry and throws dirt at her, and the form of Matilda kind of, like, dissipates away. Um, the boy then walks away and also kind of disappears. Um, but Orem does use his know-your-enemy, like, fighter-sense feat that he has, and learns that the boy has a lot more HP than him. But a lower AC, so something is like not as it seems, right? Um, Imogen then reaches out again to try to see if she can find Matilda telepathically, and does find her. And Matilda lets them know that she is at the barn. So Orm climbs up to look for this barn. He does see it, and again, the city is the, excuse me, the city is kind of shifting around them. <laughs> and so he kind of stays up there at his post while kind of guiding the rest of the team uh, to get to this barn, uh, and. Matt described, because of the way the this the maze-like city is shifting around them, that there are going to be skill challenges to navigate. And these are kind of happening throughout the episode. Um, they successfully complete this skill challenge because of Orm's help. Make it to the barn. Climb up. And inside, again, is this spectral form of Matilda. But there are also these dolls strewn about and these drawings. And so they start to ask her, Like what's going on what are these dolls and matilda explains that like this one is the nice woman um and this was a bird that you know i hope can take me away from here and she basically explains that there's this mean lady that won't let her leave and she points toward the massive decrepit sun tree in the middle of the city when she is referring to that um they're like well okay how do we get her out of here what should the plan be uh, meanwhile, Chetney is like looking around and these vines have been starting to consume the barn that they're in. And Chetney's like, hey, we got to get out of here. And so he jumps to leave the barn. But as he does, the vines constrict and block his path. So they're like, oh, gosh. And in this moment, the Matilda form disappears again. And Chetney starts like trying to cut through the vines. He does, um, excuse me, Orem cuts through the vines and does manage to make his way out. Um, the rest of the party starts to attack them too, but it's just like regenerating too fast. So everyone inside has to start making saving throws against this necromantic effect. And on a save, they lose one hit dice. On a fail, they lose two. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, just get, yeah, it's getting pretty intense. Uh, so they're like, ah, we got to get out of here. Ultimately, Chetney pulls out a piece of dynamite, chunks it, big explosion, and there's a hole big enough for them to escape through while like the vines are regenerating. So the party is then running through the city. Now, again, buildings shifting all around them. FCG flips uh, their changebringer coin to decide which way to go. They decide to go right. And as they approach the city, uh, the center of the city, Orum notices a bit of firelight in a nearby house and halts the group. And Imogen, once again, reaches out telepathically. But now she hears an older Laudna respond. And... Matilda says, again, Matilda is Ladna, obviously, if that wasn't clear already. But Matilda says that she's getting busy, uh, or she's busy getting ready for a fancy dinner tonight. And she's like putting on a nice dress. And Imogen's like, no, no, like basically begging her not to go. Um, Oram's like, hey, we can't change the past. We're here to, you know, change the future. And right. meanwhile, Fern had collected those dolls from the barn previously and is looking at them. And the older one, the older. Bigger doll is um, a woman. It's wearing a necklace. She takes the necklace off of it, and the doll like burns down to ash. And she has FCG uh, inspect the necklace, and it's a real necklace. It's a fancy necklace, but it's not magical. Her um, decides to keep it and actually puts it on for now. The party then make their way up inside um, where Orm saw this light coming from, and they can see the room that uh, Matilda is getting ready in. There's also an older man and an older woman in the room as well also getting ready, and they're insisting like, hey, we need to hurry, we need to get going. Um, Matt then asks uh, Laura to roll just a d20, and this is basically another skill check for kind of navigating the city, um, but she rolls a six. And so that's a failure. So Laudna's uh, figure then disappears um, getting ready to go to the dinner. Uh, meanwhile, the older couple like, turn around and follow her uh, but imogen says delilah we're coming for you both parents then like kind of turn around and they notice this like green sheen in their eyes and then all of a sudden they like lunge at the party <laughs> <laughs> big jump scare moment in the episode yeah. uh fern and imogen both take some necrotic damage there's a really quick combat like initiative is rolled um but they make pretty short work of it uh just a quick distract- distraction. And the party realizes, hey, we can't keep, like, stopping at all of these little, like, Matilda memories we see. Like, we're we're being distracted. We need to go to the source. And so okay. they decide to head straight toward the Sun Tree. They go that way. The city continues to shift around them. But this time, it's actually opening a path straight to the heart of the city for them. So they make their way there. Um, FCG tosses a heel, Chetney, chugs a potion... Chetney and Imogen both take their Potions of Possibility. They're basically getting ready for whatever this encounter is about to be. Um, With the final preparations made, they kind of spread out a little bit in front of the tree and make their way toward it. As they do, there's this flicker of dark purple energy that kind of blossoms out of the ground and takes this ethereal form of Delilah. And uh, that's where we go to break for the first half.
1: Yeah. So, uh, great job. Uh, what a very like thematic and spooky, uh, first half. I thought that was really cool. So in the second half, um, it's this very tense opening scene where, you know, you kind of wonder is, are, are we about to go to blows here? And, uh, Delilah who is in sort of like this ephemeral, um, sort of like silhouette esque form, I guess, um, is she asks, so what now? <laughs> so you think she just would they would just attack but um it was like so what do we do now and the party is immediately um trying to convince her to let them have Ladna basically um FCG offers therapy to Delilah and is like <laughs> yeah you know I don't know what you've been through but you know clearly something traumatic you know do you want to do you want to talk about it <laughs> which I think it would have been great if there had been like you know And Matt's like, yeah, roll a persuasion check or (laughs) something. But Matt just blows past it. He's like, no. And each of them actually kind of take, um, almost all of them take a turn at like trying to convince her. Um, Ashton, there's this really great moment where Ashton is like, you know, hey, I know you're really stuck on Ladna. And you know, this thing's like spinning out from you, like you're losing control. And like, I've been there too, yada, yada. And Matt just kind of like listens. And then after about 30 seconds, uh, basically says, you know, um, something like, I find the depths of your ignorance extremely boring. <laughs> and you can see Tallison. he's like, oh oh, 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 okay, well, there's that. <laughs> and she just, like, moves on from Tallison uh, or from Ashton. Um, they they ask again and again, like, let us have Ladna, like, we know you're fading. And they're really trying to, like, she's presenting herself as, like, um, really in control. And the party's basically being like, we know that you need Ladna. Um, Delilah admits that, you know, I I, I didn't choose Ladna, but because of the events that happened in the past with the Sun Tree and her own demise, we are inevitably bound together. And Delilah assures them, there is literally no outcome that involves separating the two of us. Like we are as one, And either you leave Laudan with me here, or um, if you wanna bring her back, you have to bring me back as well. Uh, There is, I think, an insight check or something like that that's rolled, and uh, Imogen rolls like a six or something, or like a four. And um, so not really sure if it's honest or not, but there is like a challenge of that to her where someone says, hey, I know you're fading here, like you're fading away, like you're losing your last remnants in this world and delilah actually isn't you know rocked by that she says like do you know where i'm fading to and almost like it wouldn't be a bad thing if she faded away and then she also mentions something like um you might have to help me with the exact phrasing will but something like um uh you know there's essentially there's an eternity um you know if you're allied to him or like with him or something And the party's like, well, who's he? Um, I'm assuming the whispered one, uh, but we'll talk about it in our reactions. Yeah, um, but definitely, it seems to be still like some kind of presence um, with that entity of some kind. And then finally, Chetney is the one who ultimately does break through like this um, facade of confidence, and um, is basically like, if we're gonna if we're gonna work with you, like we need to see Ladna, we need to talk to Ladna. Um, so Matt basically says, all right, roll a deception check. And he freaking rolls a natural 20, hey. which you just knew it was coming. You knew he was going to roll a natural 20, uh, cause it's Travis. So rolls a natural 20 and then Matt shocks the cast. He says, one second, Marisha, do you want to come out? And the cast is like, wait, what? What's going on? Uh, and Matt describes the tree, this, um, spot in the center that's like kind of like claws covering a cage that opens up and the spirit of Ladna connects with Imogen, speaks out. Marisha comes in the room, sits in the DM chair, and has this very touching moment with Imogen. That is basically like, um, "I'm counting on you guys." Like I, and they're like, "We're going to help you. We're going to save you." Uh, and then the tree closes back up. Marisha has to leave. Um, the party's like, you know, you were in the DM chair. You should have said that Delilah dies, or <laughs> you had all this power. Um, she leaves and um, Imogen basically tells Delilah, we're going to sunder you, and then psychic lances her, and initiative starts. So this combat starts, um, and remember, if you get reduced to zero hit points, you're removed from the astral plane, you go back to um, Whitestone, to the real world, I guess. And again, not getting lost in the details of every action that happens here, a few of the players are going to focus on damaging delilah um and she's extremely resilient uh not just because she's delilah but because the other enemy in this combat is the sun tree which is an active entity and one of its uh lair actions is basically putting the shield around delilah um that keeps getting re-upped every turn So there's Delilah that they're attacking. She's also um, casting uh, Necrotic Burst. Um, Pretty much every legendary action, which happens after each person's turn, is a Necrotic Burst. And this thing hits really hard. Uh, 20, 30 points. <laughs> In fact, I think at one point it hit for 42 on someone. Yeah. Um, it's it's insane. It also moves you 20 feet as well. So Delilah is necrotic bursting everybody, moving people around. Some people are attacking Delilah. Orem uh, um, is focused on getting to Ladna. And so he has an, a turn where he does this incredible like acrobatic description. Uh, where he grabs this rope and tries to leap up onto the tree, he fails. He action surges, gets back up on the tree, and he begins hacking away at the tree to try to open up the tree to get to Ladna. Um, uh, FCG is also trying to help with this, but unfortunately, he takes an necrotic burst, and this is like this was like round one, maybe maybe round two. But Sam Regal goes, "I'm I'm out," and he goes, "See ya." and gets reduced to zero hit points and like you know he's the healer of the party so immediately everyone's like wait what he gets up he's like i'm gonna go join marisha in the dead zone uh so he <laughs> leaves the table he's gone fg's out of the out of combat um immediately there's some panic there the party's continuing to try to figure out what to do um fern is going to cast scorching ray at the tree and matt clarifies that there's actually three different parts of the tree that she can attack And when she's Scorching Rays, um, I think the top of the tree, I think Trop actually gets destroyed by um, Orym actually hacking away at it. When the top of the tree gets destroyed, uh, Delilah's form becomes more necromantic. Um, Her silhouette kind of solidifies into this sunken skull with green eyes. uh, And Delilah basically freaks out to the point where Ashton's like, okay, attacking the tree is the right decision, let's do it. Um, so Fern's gonna scorching ray it. They realize it's weak to fire. Um, uh, she's actually gonna destroy the roots of the tree eventually. There are some undead that pop up that get destroyed um, pretty easily um, And Orum, uh, who's on the tree trying to get to Ladna, eats a necrotic blast for 40 something damage and he just poof, is gone. Um, combat's coming down to the third round to the wire and they are using their motes of possibility. There's a Nat 20 against Ashton who uses one of his motes to get it re-rolled. Um, and then Imogen, I think had like six hit points left. She gets hit. She's going to poof. She does the moat. And there's this awesome moment where Matt, he rolls the dice. He looks up and he says, natural one. And Ashton's like, why do you have the same face as an natural 20? <laughs> like, come on, man. You got to <laughs> change the face, please. So the necrotic burst misses. Um, Imogen, who's been holding a level 3 spell slot this whole time, everyone's like, empty the clip. Use your use your spell slot. Let's go. She does lightning strike or lightning something. Um, and remember, she, said, she told Delilah we were going to sunder you. She does the bolt of lightning on the tree. It sunders the tree, splits it in half, 30-plus um, damage, and Delilah screeches and then poofs to white. As everyone wakes up in Whitestone. And that's where the episode ends. Uh, and that was episode 37. Ooh. Of From the Bows. From the bows uh, Campaign 3 of Critical Role. So check the link. If you want to see our full discussion down below. Uh, Alright well. Now that we've talked about it.
0: Pretty good up. One of my favorites. So, of the campaign I think. Honestly. I agree yeah for sure. Which um, obviously there was a lot of. For for lack of a better a catch-all term here, there was a lot of role play, but there was also a lot of combat And um this. I think this was like a master class on how to do an encounter. I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I mean, not that I guess we could go ahead and jump into it, but one of the yeah, things like, I wanted.
1: Yeah, let's let's table that just for a second. Okay, yeah, because um, I, I think you're right. I, I think I think it's worth talking about the combat, especially for you guys. Um, have I mentioned that I have a d and d campaign that I put? <laughs> so, for you guys who play d and d or you're a DM yourself, I think I think outside of critical role, there's something to talk about there of why that combat was so effective. Um, it's not a bottle episode, so to speak, and it's not like a singular episode. These last few episodes have been really great, but this one, especially, I don't know if you felt this way doing the recap. like hats off to you for the recap. Because as I was thinking about the first half, I was like, "Bro, there were so many things that happened this episode that all got squeezed into a four-hour episode." Um, not to mention Matt, who is just a master of atmosphere and world building and creativity. Um, it was an immersive episode. A um, you know, it had some emotional points too, um, and yeah. it was just, it was great for sure.
0: Yeah, I. I don't, I don't, it's obviously not fair to call anything a one shot, but I feel like, cause there's a lot of context you need aside from what happens in the episode, but it kind of works as a self-contained, especially if you're going to include the last episode, like a two shot, I guess, of this astral projection journey, I think is just like, so, all right. A lot of people, I'm kind of going everywhere right here, but a lot of people, when they get into critical role or like when they want to get friends into critical role, they're like, Hey, you know, I don't want to start somebody with Ep one, C one, like what's a good episode I could show somebody to like show them what it's about. And I feel like this episode, maybe these last two could be that in the future for people, even though it would be massively spoilery. Uh, (laughs) But like um, for those of you that watch campaign two, the happy fun ball episode is an episode that people cite a lot for like a great kind of self-contained one shot to show people. And that's just kind of the same vibe I got from this episode. I was like, man, just fantastic little adventure within the campaign.
1: Yeah, and I and we mentioned this last episode, but um, Matt, when he was... I, I, like I said, I mentioned this already last episode, but Matt, when he was in, interviewed at um, New York Comic-Con, um, they asked about, like, you know, not the specific arc, but kind of like this, like, hey, was this the plan all along? You know, what were you envisioning? And he had this great line where he was basically like, you know, I just let my players det- determine, like, where they want to go, and then we kind of just build from there. Um, all this to say what a really cool side quest, if you can call it that side arc, um, you know, getting Laudna back. Um, it's just great how, you know, the party has sort of created this side adventure and how Matt, you know, you can see the wheels turning as he creates these small, intricate details for us to appreciate.
0: Yeah. And how quickly, I mean, Matt, for, I mean, there's no sense wildly speculating, but clearly this resurrection journey for Ladna wasn't something that was planned because he didn't know she was going to die, right? So he put this together so quickly too, you know? It's not like this was a set piece he'd been building to for the whole campaign. And so I'm just impressed with like such this cool one shot that he basically, you know, I'm sure he gr- grabbed things that he's been maybe planning for a while and thrown them together maybe, but still like uh, just. Yeah, very impressed. I, I think I think creating
1: stuff on the spot is less about and this I guess this can be like kind of the start of like DM insights from this episode but um I think creating like meaningful story arcs is sometimes less about like the massive moments that happen which there was one with Marisha coming to the table but it's an appreciation for detail so like the thing that I go to is Laudna has pate there's been conversation that we've had around like, okay, how did Pate Rolo come about? Yada, yada. Um, but we have this detail where she, where Matilda is, I think two or three years old in the barn and is creating dolls. It's, it's fun for her. It's something, it's a childhood hobby of her. And so uh, I can just kind of see Matt as like the mind is spinning out for like, okay, what if this happened? Or what if this happened? Like pulling in that detail of Pate and being like, you come into the barn and you see, where this originated from all the way back from her as a little girl like those kinds of things I think enrapture players more and and bring them into a sense of like I'm part of something more than I think sometimes as DMs we put this pressure on us to have that perfect line that perfect moment like the grandiose of the adventure Um, and I I just think Matt brought in those details um, really well including like even like when uh imogen phoned ladna and she was like oh i'm getting dressed i'm going to this banquet and you know i was like oh man i know what banquet yeah.
0: that is so a hundred percent and i don't remember who said it nor do i remember their exact phrasing but recently on one of the episodes of four-sided dive it, i think it was either talison or liam Mentioned that like that's one of the things Matt does. You'll just say something offhand and then 30 episodes later, he's gonna bludgeon <laughs> you in the face with it, like emotionally. <laughs> so like the pate thing. And then uh the little boy. I was thinking that might have been Whitestone Andy, you know, like an at least oh, like an allusion oh God, to yeah. that. And so like that's, that's another bad. example of like an offhanded comment that Matt like tucked away, you know, and then yeah, could kinda, you know. But though
1: so, yeah. it was interesting though, when um Orm did know your enemy on Delilah. And he was like, oh, well I've already done it on um, when Delilah was the young boy. Sorry. I already know. And Matt kind of like Riley smiled and was like, no, oh, no, that was, that was something else. Yeah. Um,
0: Very which, interesting.
1: I, yeah. I'm just curious. Like, Okay. Well, what was that then? Is it just Whitestone Andy or was it something literally something else? Um,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that. And we can go ahead and go there, but I feel like that's a whole conversation because later I think it like, it's it's tough because the parent the the parents the older people later like that kind of was Delilah or at least it was if not literally her like she clearly is pulling the strings you know so right. it's interesting that the distinction was made that the boy wasn't so may- maybe he wasn't but it, it was the same situation with the parents and Delilah's still puppet mastering or is there a whole other entity? That's at play here. Perhaps even, um, we we were talking about dark domains or dread domains or right, whatever last episode and how those are created for like these ultra powerful villains. Like maybe it's tied to those entities. Or I guess also like
1: I kind of wonder like to what ends is Delilah? Like when they asked to speak to Lodna and she's like, "Oh yes, I've been speaking to her quite a bit already." I think what have they been talking about? And two, what does she want from Ladna? Like, I know they're linked. Like, what is there to talk to her about? And then two, she's clearly, these memories are, are. I guess, it's kind of Ladna's like personal hell, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of like wondering, like, to what end, especially if Delilah's fading away to somewhere, why torture the soul of... Ladna, and you know, I just kind of just wonder, like, what's the grand scheme and all yeah. of this? Which obviously we can only guess, but
0: yeah, I'm there with you because there's a lot to kind of pack together that piece together there. And we also don't know, like, Delilah's not a reliable narrator, you know, so right. who knows if what she says is the truth. But just to lay it all out there, a few things that she said, you know, that she doesn't need Ladna, that this is just the most convenient way to come back it could be a lie you know um but also there is um the comments you alluded to i think in the recap about like well where i'm going like that's fine basically you know like that's no skin off my back and then um i don't remember the context of when this conversation happened but i remember i think it was fcg kind of talking to delilah being like you know we know laudan is special but like why why are you interested in her and Delilah says something about, like, when I first chose her, I didn't know she was special, but then I found right. out she was. Like, right. I, like, work for these gifts, and she was born with some. Right, so yeah. there's, like, a lot of factors here. And if we can take what Delilah's saying at face value, then originally she just chose Laudna out of convenience, I guess, because she didn't know that Laudna was special. But maybe then once she learned that Laudna has, I mean, so, I guess... For my money, she's referring to just her innate magical ability, like her sorcerer levels, if you will. Yeah. But maybe there's something deeper there. Like maybe she has some sort of connection to something that Delilah's right. trying to exploit. Um, right. We know the Gnarl rock thing was absorbed, and so maybe that factors into this somehow. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to make about why she was maybe... Like maybe she's just evil and is torturing Ladna to keep her there, maybe London needs to be in some sort of particular state of mind, you know, like maybe like if she's constantly feeling this sense of dread or whatever it may be, maybe that helps Delilah keep a grasp on her. So, but yeah, that I was wondering this too, because all the moments we saw were seemingly puppeted by Delilah, but at the same time, they seemed to be real memories. Right. 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 So I, yeah, it's just a lot to kind of, and, you know, maybe there's nothing beneath the seams of these particular things, and it was just cool moments to be shared. But if there was a method to this madness for what Delilah was doing in these moments, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure.
1: Why do you just- think Ladna changed her name? I mean, is that the implication that rose from the dead and I am now Ladna?
0: I mean, yeah, well. Not when she rose from the dead, though, because, again, if those are real memories, then those parents called her Ladna, So that was before she died. Right. So. Right. Which, but I also
1: didn't know if that was just a slip from Matt or if Matt was just, because he actually, I think, says, like, Ladna or Matilda. I think maybe he says both in the same sentence. Um, so I don't know if he was saying, like, for the players.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's you possible. Know, if,
1: like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Because I mean, you know, again, like for just like simplicity of speaking, sometimes it's just easier to be now that you right. know it's a ladna. Right. Yeah, so lot. But so I don't know. I mean.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So that is possible. But yeah. But either way, yeah, I'm not sure. Like maybe it was. I want a new lease on life, so here's a new name. Um I, I really didn't know what to make of that. Um there was a point of confusion
1: where. The party thought the mother was named Ladna. Right. Did you notice that? Where they thought like, oh wait, Ladna the mom. Like wait, what? Yeah. But then, then it kind of like worked itself out, where um, um, like Matilda was Ladna. Um, right. But still, there was some confusion there, and so I, I do wonder if maybe her mother's name was also Ladna, and so when she, you know, rose from the dead, she it was kind of like a this is the one piece of me that I want to hold on to. I I don't know.
0: Yeah. And trying to interlace two things here with the dolls at the top of the barn, there was like the smaller doll, the larger doll, which was like a woman that wore the necklace and then the bird. Right. I don't think to me, the larger woman was like a nice woman and not a representative of like Delilah, the mean woman. I don't know if that's a fair take or not, I I I'm I don't I don't know honestly I, I couldn't
1: parse I I couldn't like piece together like what was being referenced in the sense of I didn't know I, I, honestly this the simplest line to draw is that she's referencing Delilah like this is the this is the stereotype in media where it's like she won't let me leave it's it's like the spiritual force that's controlling her or whatever so that's the easiest line but I also didn't know if there was some implication of like what her life was like with her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think the first one makes the most sense, but I'm also open to could, could Matt have been trying to paint, um, story points of like her actual life. Um, Cause I think Laudna in a previous episode talks about when they came to Whitestone, like her parents brought her, they knew she was special mm-hmm. um, and sort of handed her over, so to speak. Um, these details kind of flesh that out a little bit more, or I think the original story made it seem like the parents were like, well, you're going to camp. See you later. Um, but that the parents were actually like coming to live in Whitestone, maybe, or where it was like a bit of a longer stay. And then as a teenager, um laudna was taken to um the banquet i guess yeah Uh, or at least that described a teenager but we also know she's a she was a bit older right i mean because you're not teenage age she's you know young
0: adult yeah presumably like young 20s right when she died right is forever locked in that age yeah presumably um yeah so i don't know but and i might I need to just watch it again but for some reason i feel like the phrase nice woman was mentioned but i might maybe have made that up or maybe what it, it, my context is incorrect um but to get back to what you're we saying maybe that was representative of her mother and not delilah and you know it's it's interesting that that necklace i'll be interested to see if like fern still has it in the real world right. and what significance that may have because if laudna sees it then maybe she could be like oh was my mom's or something you know yeah and Um, there was the interesting neat tattoo where she took the necklace off and the doll like disintegrated or something so strange um but okay back to the thing about clearly delilah was like torturing laudna but at the same time those seem to be actual memories right so the one in the barn when she's a young girl that would have been before delilah like in her life, you yes, know? Cause they ask where, if it's in Whitestone
1: and what was said was basically like, no, but today it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I
0: think that's fair. And so, and this might just be, I'm um, splitting hairs type of thing. Um, but it seemed like, you know, she, she drew the bird to like take her out of here and maybe that's just take her out of this current hellscape. But if that like was like a true memory, like if she really did make a a doll bird when she was a kid, then seemingly she wanted to be removed from wherever she was as a kid, like pre Delilah. So that made me wonder, like, was there like, Did she have like a really bad childhood? Like were her parents abusive or, you know, was there, is there another like tragic element to this backstory or am I just overlapping two storylines where like, yes, this is technically a memory, but the things she's talking about are about the current situation and not, you know, her real life when she was three years Uh, old or whatever. My mind, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Matt wants to make Laudna
1: as sad as possible. (laughs) But, um, I assume it's the latter, like it's a memory. Here's the spirit of of Ladna, yeah, who created dolls, and the detail of this moment is she's creating a bird as a imprisoned spirit um who like wants to be free of this, which is equally you know meaningful and sad, right but, um that's at least where my head cannon goes because otherwise, yeah, there's this whole other storyline of like, wow, your life really
0: sucked um. Didn't, didn't get any better so <laughs> yeah i think i'm with you there but i was just that was one thing knocking around in my head so i at least wanted to regurgitate it here to see what you thought oh um, mm-hmm. but i think i think that makes sense too and then one other thing on that moment is uh the drawings one thing that stuck, stood out to me was um obviously there's like just the black drawing that ashton specifically asked her about Um, but the drawing of like the dragon creature flying in front of the sun that, I mean, you know, speaking of Matt and his little details that he, you know, uses, I'm wondering if that's more than just like a a red herring and what that, what that means. And could it even possibly tie into her being special? Like, bro, it's absolutely
1: (laughs) some kind of reference to something. Matt is 100% dropping a breadcrumb for some tiny detail that is going to be a mega story point later on, Um, which I need to I need to go back and watch that scene to get the exact detail. Um, But yeah, there's something for sure going on there. I think it is tied, like you said, to um, her specialness or uniqueness. Um, Whether it's good or bad is yet to be seen, but
0: true. But Yeah. So. And kind of, you'll allow me to segue here a little bit, um, kind of on that detail of her specialness and stuff. Uh, there's this question of if they do successfully bring her back now, because clearly they were successful in, sp- in splitting them, presumably. Um, so now well, they're going gonna-
1: to, yeah, I mean, we don't know, but right. judging by the fact that, you know, Matt channeled his awesome Delilah screech, um, <laughs> Her reaction didn't seem happy by splitting the tree, so I think it's fair to say that.
0: Yeah. So two conversations I want to have. Like maybe what happens to Delilah, but first, what happens to Laudna? One, there's a question of where will, will there still be like a role required for like the typical resurrection ritual, and if that fails, like oh my gosh, that's going to be devastating. But maybe. Maybe Matt won't call for one given this whole journey they've been on. He shouldn't. He you know? shouldn't
1: after this whole journey. It it's obnoxious
0: otherwise. Or, you know, in you know, as DM, you know this, maybe there still is one, but basically it can't be failed essentially, you know. I guess yeah. if they roll a natural one, though. Natural uh, one.
1: <laughs> well, one that, of the number one rules of being a DM, you never ask for a role where if a yeah. failure could, you know. <laughs> change the outcome that you don't want, then, you know, but, but, but I I guess it could be if it is a failure, I mean, what's, what's Pike's modifier going to be, you know, like as a level 20 God, basically, (laughs) Um, True. (laughs) but if it is a failure, there is, there at least is a certain sweetness in knowing they've put Laudna's soul to rest. True. Like she can presumably move on to whatever afterlife awaits her. Um,
0: that's meaningful. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. And I um, I agree with you. Not to put words in your mouth, but I agree with you that I don't think there needs to be a role. But that being said, um, I do. Some of my favorite moments in previous campaigns have been like these resurrection rituals where, you know, Matt asks like, "What are you bringing to this?" And the player has to describe like how they are aiding in this ritual. And then like they roll and depending on what they were like trying to accomplish that, you know, determines the kind of check it is or whatever. So I just still like the, the RP fiend in me, like would love to see Imogen have to do something like that, you know, or, you know, whoever it is, but at the same time, like they've already earned it. I feel like, so um, I, I don't think there will be, but, you know i would be okay if it if there was assuming they don't fail <laughs> they fail and they have to go back <laughs> we
1: have to go back <laughs> anyway
0: oh yeah okay yeah sorry what were we talking about by the way so that I, if if Lodny comes back so that aspect aside if they do bring her back and delilah let's just is is not a part of her anymore uh what does that mean for her Warlock levels. What does that mean for her warlock abilities? Um, will this tie into her being special at all? Maybe like whatever power she had right. from that could now be something else. Yeah. Uh, there is a slight precedent for this. I won't give spoilers, but in previous campaign, um, so I don't think I don't think Matt will just say, "Hey, you're four levels lower than everybody else now." Uh, there could be like maybe a little chunk of episodes where she's weaker as she tries to figure out like what's next. So that could happen. But I definitely think ultimately if Marisha wants to keep those warlock abilities, I think she'll be able to, I don't think Matt will say no, you know? Yeah. Um. But I do think there's a possibility here for like a cool shift, maybe to something, you know, in regards to why she's special or just whatever. And it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I think I think one of three things happen. I think first those four levels, Matt gives her the option to roll them over. I just either, picked four out of a hat, by the way, before like we just keep yeah, saying that and everybody's you. like it's not far! Yeah. <laughs> She's only two levels in. <laughs> you idiots. Uh the warlock levels, uh, I think first option, Matt lets her roll them over either into her sorcerer levels or it's sorcerer, right? Is there other I think so, class? yeah. Okay. Um, or into a new a new class potentially. Like there be could, could be like a cool story point where, you know, because of what you've come through, you've unlocked this new power and yep. she, you know, I don't know. It might be kind of interesting. Second option is um Matt allows her to homebrew a patronless warlock. Um, just like we have a um uh not godless paladin, um um, but there's cleric. like there uh oh, cleric, thank you. um yeah, where you, there there is an option where you you don't have like a deity that you're attached to. so it could be something like that, which I think that's probably the simplest route we maybe go. The third option, which I think is more interesting, the most interesting, talking about the innate abilities and the dragon maybe her patron is something she's not quite sure of. Delilah sort of came in as a parasite and sort of took over and sort of harnessed those powers and now that Delilah's gone um that power now gets tapped into. She continues to be a warlock, hmm. her patron she's not right quite clear on, but I think it's that dragon maybe or something. Yeah. And now cuz I think I think what's interesting for like stories like these is when the story is answered or like finished it's like what happens next with that character. Um, you know, like FCG, for example, uh, we found out his backstory. We found out what happened in the sense of the him being a murder robot. Well, what's next now is why? Um, you know, where does he go from here? Like, how does he find out his true identity? I think it'd be interesting for Ladna if is if Delilah's dealt with, which is the main point of her story arc, I guess. But there's something else here. There's this other power or affinity that Delilah right. noticed. Um, so those are the three things that I think could happen. I would love to see number three happen.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that would be really interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're definitely right that um, the, the the why, as you put it, is going to be really interesting to find out now that kind of the main mm-hmm. thing has been dealt with. But maybe it hasn't, you know, to to shift to like what happens to Delilah now. Um, We might not get. We as in the characters POV might not get an answer to them. She faded to white and that's probably all they're going to know for the foreseeable future. But if we can take what she was saying at face value, which we probably shouldn't, you know, if your back's against the wall, you're not going to admit that. Right. But she is seemingly Going to Vecna's realm, at least that's what she uh-huh. heavily implied, and you know, basically implied that that wouldn't be a, a bad thing. So again, maybe complete lying through the teeth, but if that's true, I mean, Vecna did ascend to godhood, so he presumably has like an afterlife realm. I would, like, I would guess. We still don't even really know how Delilah originally got attached to Lodna. Right. Maybe she's been to this realm before and he helped her facilitate that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm taking a lot of what ifs here, but then if so, he could pres- presumably do that again, right? So, I don't know that we've seen the last of her, but I would guess that that would probably leave that up to the players in a way. Like, kind of let them facilitate that. Because, I mean, for those of you that don't know, which I'm sure most of you do at this point, but Delilah has been a recurring villain. Um, I've seen her many times. So at some point, I don't think that like Matt would be like, she's back again, you know, unless that like serviced the story in a meaningful way. So I'm kind of right. unsure of where I'm landing here. I think it's infinitely possible for her to not be done with, but like there are many avenues for that to be the case, but I could also just see them laying it to bed. Yeah. I, I,
1: I agree with you. I don't think like ten ep- episodes from now, there's Delilah again. I, I think I think there's like a um uh carefulness that Matt is really appreciative of. And I like what you said. Like we may not for even the duration of campaign three get any kind of follow-up here. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of her. And again, it's such a careful topic because you want you don't get to put, you don't want to get to the point where people are like, Oh my gosh, Delilah again, but definitely seems like there's something in play here. She seems very confident with the idea of going back to Vecna's realm and also very comfortable with um there being other options. Again, like you pointed out, unreliable narrator, you know, who knows? Um, but
0: yeah. So yeah, and not to mention this apogee sauce is coming up that we know Delilah and Vecna were trying to utilize in the past. So maybe Vecna has his own machinations going on for utilizing that. And if she is indeed going back to his realm, maybe she will play a part in that as well. Um, but uh, one moment kind of speaking about Delilah that I really wanted to call out was uh, Travis's natural 20 on that like deception. He pulled on her where they then got to talk to Ladna, I was so freaking clutch and like, uh, yeah. I just thought he killed it right there and uh, I don't know I just I love seeing Travis as uh he's one of my favorite players across all the campaigns and it's just so cool to see him in this uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it's fair to call him the face of the party or not but he seems to kind of slide into that at times um, of you know being the one that's gonna like roll up and make the the he's persuasion the, or the deception check uh, you know he's the
1: definitely like the
0: challenger of the party
1: like he will you know oppose openly uh, that makes it sound like you know abrasive i just mean like you know um remember uh you and yeah. him being like you know hey i know what you're doing here you know this is very much someone who will um lay cards out um against whoever they're encountering and um see where it goes so um you just and you just knew he was gonna roll natural 20 i mean you just knew it yeah you know i just you could feel it it's like it's gonna happen not to mention oram had two natural 20s also um i think maybe even back to back or close to back to back where matt was like are you freaking kidding me like
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i don't
1: know but
0: yeah just shout out to travis it's been a joy watching him play this character and uh that moment is just like one of the many reasons why um, okay so you you stop me if if uh there's something else before I jump to this, but I wanted to just talk about the the one shot, if you will, just like how Matt pieces together this the combat encounter specifically, but also everything leading up to it. I thought it was just and I mean. We had a nickel every time I said this. We'd be rich, but Matt's just a freaking put on a masterclass. I mean, that first half with just like the maze city and like how he rolled the skill challenges being like, yeah, it's just, you know, you're going to have to make certain challenges to make your way through here. Uh, Quick aside, I'm curious if you had any thoughts on like maybe what that was leading to versus not leading to, or if it was just in the moment, if you want to progress to the next part you're going to have to successfully navigate this city or do you think there was like a a wider success versus failure based on like the whole situation like maybe if they failed the encounter would have been that much tougher or you know maybe since they succeeded then i'm just i'm wildly speculating here but I think, the tree I think, was there to attack yeah, and make I, the encounter easier so he made it clear that there were breakpoints. you need four successes
1: or two failures or something's going to happen um i'm assuming since the, since the premise of it was this maze with like the city streets and buildings like shifting and you know literally a literal maze mm-hmm. um i don't know why i keep explaining what a maze is <laughs> um i'm assuming the two failures would have been a forced movement to the tree like you're not successfully making it through the maze so maybe it's like roots come up, they grab you by the ankles, you get pulled down through the earth and you get spit out in front of the tree. Who knows? Um, now, probably the implication there is that you take a lot of damage or, um, you know, we're crippled in some way. We had the necromantic energy before that was removing hit die. Right. Um, so I th- I think it, it. my mind, just as like thinking like DM um, strategy, like you don't want your players to get stuck, right? And so um, I'm just assuming the two failures is some kind of forced, um, you know, you're going to the Sun Tree one way or, or the other, um, mm-hmm. but you definitely want to get there on your own terms rather than me getting you there. <laughs> right, Because, yeah. you know, we always, we've always all been in that session where, like, you know, the, the <laughs> you as a player or, you know, you as the DM, the, it's just not going anywhere. Like, you know, I had a riddle that I gave that I thought was super simple, like really easy. And about 45 <laughs> minutes later, I was like, all right, well, let's just go ahead and move this along because <laughs> this is not going anywhere. <laughs> so that's where my mind goes. I don't know. What, I mean, what do you think?
0: No, yeah, I mean, basically the same thing. I was just uh, just thought it was really cool. I, uh, I loved just the, I don't know if aesthetic is the right word, but just like the whole atmosphere he created in that first half with like, you know, they cut the, the building and it started bleeding or, or something yeah. to that effect. Uh, that might have not been exactly what happened. Um, and the bones just like jutting out of the ground and attacking them at times.
1: Yeah. And you, yeah. And I think the implication was that um, whatever was moving under the earth was like a giant, like a bone giant. Cause I think he had like the hand coming out or like something moving um, that was unnatural. Uh, and like you mentioned the, the masterclass and like this one shot um, it had a lot of things that I think are so important for a D and D session. Um, you know, a multitude of encounters, um, whether, even though that, you know, um, the first one was, I think a legitimate encounter, the two spirits with Ladna were more, um, this is what happens, I guess, but a multitude of encounters, um, player choice. What do you want to do intrigue? Um, which I describe as like, you're discovering like, okay, what's going on here? Like, okay, Matilda, this boy, like, wait, what? Um, and then atmosphere, um like the creative details like you mentioned the building getting cut and bleeding the bones that were you know coming out of the earth Um, there were a lot of really cool things that um, made this whole thing feel so um fun and then like you mentioned earlier the actual combat at the very end uh was unique um it's always kind of annoying when you get to like the big bad of the one shot and it's like they do eldritch blast and then you do attack and then they eldritch blast again and then it's like who's whittling each other down to zero first so anyway
0: yeah i uh the eldritch blast invoked something specific for me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh but the combat encounter especially i just thought was so cool like it it felt to me like a Final Fantasy boss. You know, like the same way. That's you same have way you like that. the boss entity, but then you also have this tree. And like that's kind of the secret that you need to figure out, you know? Yeah. Um, the exact same way. That's great. I just thought that was again masterclass. so I definitely wanted to shout it out. And uh shout outs to Fern, really, I feel like for being the MVP to getting all that damage in on the tree. Um, you know, Orum did a bit before he got poofed out, but Ever since that, and of course, obviously Imogen's final strike, but it was basically Fern, the one that was doing it all. So Right. Um well, shout out yeah, to Ashley.
1: It's good too because I don't know if you felt this way at all, but I was getting some PTSD Audahan vibes. Like the amount of damage she was doing every turn with le- legendary actions. Yeah. Um, the resilience sphere that she was having. Um the high enough AC like where Travis did, uh, inflict wounds and missed like it really. And then the regeneration, she regenerated hit points too, from the tree. There were definitely vibes of, okay, this is way like, I was kind of thinking like, are we back in a situation where this is unwinnable? And so when the tree kind of was realized to be the focal point, um, I think, I think anytime you give players a, um, um, of discovery in combat or like things what's really happening i think that's that's fun right and so yeah. you could see fern when matt was like yeah the fire hits and you realize it really did some extra damage there and then him rp'ing delilah um i think it was after you actually after Orm cut the um top off of the tree off basically um and delilah was like you know freaking out you know get down from there um that's that's just fun stuff that's good that's that's clever you know, encounter creating, I guess, so.
0: Yeah, and again, what a what a just brilliant encounter all around because, you know, you could walk into that and say, well, they can't actually die. They just poof back to their bodies. There's no stakes, but the stakes were still just as high because now if somebody goes down, they're gone. You can't toss them a potion. You can't toss them a heel. They cannot help you in this fight anymore, which, right. you know, is for your friend's life, you know? I thought it was really cool how like while there were no stakes there were still super high stakes and it all it actually kind of made it cool that like Sam and you know then Liam were just walked away you know I thought it really like elevated like oh like are they going to be able to pull this off still um so just shout out Matt for the entire one shot again if I can call it that but especially that encounter at the end I thought it was just i was hooked the whole time you know yeah it was Um, really good for sure uh other than that uh one thing that i forgot to mention earlier about the matilda name was i don't know if this would be the case or not but this could be like a sam regal-esque kind of long con joke sort of thing but um in previous campaigns, uh, there's been, like, a steamy romance novel that one of the characters was reading. It's actually showed up in Legend of Vox Machina, too. It was a little Easter egg um, called Tusk Love. And it was revealed that that was written by Matilda Merceria. So, like, Matt Mercer. But So, if Laudna's name is Matilda, then perhaps in universe, like, when she was alone <laughs> in a shack, you know, living for all those years, maybe she wrote steamy romance novels. Gotta have something to pass the time, you know? <laughs> so i mean we we could see that would be That's hilarious funny. if so that would be really funny
1: <laughs>
0: um let's see let's see i think we've basically covered most of what i wanted to uh I'd, I'd love for our viewers
1: for you guys i mean i just think about like the deep dive on elixion and like the paragon's call um we know that matt for like demigods and deities pretty much all of them are unless yeah, for the most part are um lifts or inspired from like canon um D entities um so i would love i don't know anything about a black dragon in front of a sun um i would love if you guys who are much more versed in the lore of D D, um if anyone's got any ideas even other you know um source books or critical role books if any ideas what that could possibly be um yeah. i'd really love to hear about it too. don't tell well just tell me <laughs> <Ow>! <laughs> <laughs> he must not know
0: um, right, well uh next episode's tonight
1: which is pretty cool um i hope we get a really meaningful resurrection
0: um it'll be funny to see such a serious moment with them all in costume because they're gonna be yeah. <laughs> in costume for halloween <laughs> this week oh i'm gonna be in costume on monday
1: for our, my next dnd sesh
0: oh yeah what are you dressing uh, up as I don't know.
1: I don't know what's a good DM outfit. Um, so I w- not <laughs> purposely to be like Matt Mercer, but I wore like a tuxedo vest last year. Um, so I don't really know what to wear, but I don't know.
0: Okay. Any ideas? Uh, all right. What are your players doing? Are they dressing up as like their characters? Their characters, yeah. Well, you should just pick an NPC. True. 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 bro. Oh, one final qu- tidbit, really quick that I forgot. Um, Imogen's Call Ruidus ability—that was really How did cool. We forget that. Yeah, I love Travis being like,
1: "I live with her." And <laughs> I, I know didn't know that. Okay, so is that the feat that she got?
0: I feel like it has to be right because okay. for those of you that don't remember, Matt was like, "Hey, Laura, like check your feats after." Was it the Odahan fight? Yeah. Um. So yeah, so she can take damage and get this call ruidus like inflict damage ability. So that's what I was going to ask you. And I should have just went back and rewatched it, but did she take damage? Like in that moment, I couldn't tell if that's what she was doing or if she was like sacrificing hit dice. She said, I am going to take three mm-hmm.
1: and then she had to roll. And I think it was six hit points of damage. Okay. And then she got
0: to deal damage. It seemed like based on how much she took. Okay. um, She literally takes the damage in the moment. That's what I was trying to piece together. Yeah.
1: But I do wonder if it's like FCG where there is, um, there is uh, like a break point where like (laughs) all hell breaks loose. Uh, Speaking of FCG though, I do like that he early on the session should be like, was that after 20 and we didn't know what it was. And now he's like, yeah, this is how my character works. So anyway,
0: uh but yeah just what a cool ability and like what a cool like potential for an awesome moment ability like yeah like you could like sack like maybe i don't know how this would work if like the damage you took would knock you out maybe you maybe matt would still allow the attack to go off but you could like do a super attack at the cost of your own maybe like a little vegeta final flash
1: maneuver (laughs) i took you back what was that what was that episode called final atonement Uh, yeah i don't don't know know. that was it that was so i hear (laughs) watched it 12 times yeah exactly like that
0: (laughs) um but yeah that was awesome i would be interested to see if maybe that could even evolve as well like as she finds out more or grows stronger like maybe that ability gets buffed as well yeah um but yeah that's all i got
1: okay Well, guys, thanks for watching today. I'm excited for tonight's episode. I hope you are as well. We won't. We should mention this in the intro. There's not an episode next week, so we're going to be reviewing season one of the Rings of Power, uh, the Lord of the Rings show from Amazon. So if you've been watching that, uh, stay tuned. We're going to be telling you, should you watch it um, and our reactions to the show? So, (laughs) All right. Don't forget to follow us on uh, Twitter at the ThePixelists. And other than that, I guess that's it. Oh, thumbnail. Thumbnail.
0: We're also on TikTok. I haven't, we haven't done anything on there recently, right. but check us out there as well. Um, yeah, yeah I thumbnail. Stop saying we're on the TikTok. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're on the TikToks. <laughs> uh, so, I don't.
0: I don't know what the thumbnail should be. Uh,
1: maybe one hmm. of us should be like, you know, Delilah getting, and I love Travis's like. You know, maybe one person's like in shock or
0: something. What do you want to do? Uh, you choose. I'll, I'll be lunging at you. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> nice. All right.
1: Well, that's the highlight of the, of the episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> As always. Right. Yeah, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all.